Hey everyone, it's Pacific, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Death by Dying Season 2 is coming this year. You may remember Death by Dying from the incredible crossover episode we did with him last year, The Case of the Phantom Bicycle. And today I'm excited to bring you Part 2. If you're interested in seeing Season 2 of Death by Dying, they're currently raising funds on Indiegogo. You can find that by going to deathbydyingpod.com donate, or by following the link in our description below. Make sure to check out all of their ominous perks, exciting new stretch goals like bonus episodes, an album, and a live fanfiction reading. But, without further ado, I want to present to you The Case of the Phantom Bicycle, Part 2. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number. SCP. Object class. Continuing to ignore with my growing debt from my addiction to the pony races. Never bet on Stallion McGee. Oh, Stallion McGee. The following are my best friend, I mean, Dr. Ken Kitts, field notes from his latest excursion to the town of Crestfall, Idaho. He received word that he must return immediately when an old case subject resurfaced with the ominous message, Beware the one-wheeled wonder. Naturally, Ted packed his overnight duffel bag, the one with the little purple ducks on it. And just shy of midnight, he was on the next train smoking. On a more personal note, my friendship with Ted has never been better. We listen to sad indie music together. We bond over our mutual hatred of Euclid-class SCPs and our love of chocolate gelato. Life is good at the Foundation. Ted's field notes go like this. 3 a.m. Hey, Ted's field notes. It's me, Ted. Admittedly, I should have gotten some sleep before driving indefinitely in a random direction for hours until I reached Crestfall. But I couldn't help it. I was... excited. I can't remember the last time I was this excited. Maybe that time I got chocolate gelato with John. But this is different. I'm going to see Maria. I redacted her name in my last Crestfall case file, but we're tight now. It's all good. Maria and I have stayed in touch over the last year. After I helped her talk to her dead husband while he was possessing a phantom bicycle, we knew we were destined to be pen pals. Her last letter was off, however. Beware the one-wheeled wonder? What could that possibly mean? I knew the only way to find out was to drop everything and rush to her side. You know, because that's my job. 3.30 a.m. I'm back in a bush. Why am I always hiding in shrubbery? 15.33 Grumbling Grove waits for me like an old friend. A really weird old friend. 3.37 a.m. I was about to knock on the front door when I heard voices coming from the garage. 
I just don't want to be stuck anymore. You know, bro? I see. And how does that make you feel? It's like I got one wheel in the grave and one out. I ease the garage door open, the soft scraping of rusted hinges reverberating down the aluminum panels. Inside was... a therapist's office. Cozy furniture piled high with throw pillows. Bookshelves lined with psychology publications. There was a wilting fake fern in the corner. Apparently in Crestfall, even the artificial plants are dying. And lying upside down on a faux leather couch was a BMX dirt bike. Its wheels spun absentmindedly in the air. Its handlebars sunk into the couch with a look of despair. Sitting next to the bike was none other than the local wild man, channeling the phantom bicycle. His eyes were vacant, his mouth hanging open with a crooked grin. The voice that emerged from him was not his own. Sick tricks on my dirt bike was the only thing I lived for. And then I do, like, one backflip off a cliff, right? And it kills me. Uh, How is that, like, fair? That's totally valid. Alright, we'll pick this up in our next session. Do you think I'm getting close to moving on, Doc? I know it, Andy. With a whoosh, the wild man snapped back to reality. Wolfie, that was a doozy too. Does Wild Man get overtime for this? Wild Man might have to onionize. You mean unionize? The Wild Man took an enormous bite from an old onion. Who? Mmm, tasty. You're welcome, Andy. Oh, Ted, thank goodness you're here. You're glad I'm here? I mean, of course. Part of the job, ma'am. I'm a professional. (laughs) Are you wearing cologne? It's, um, standard issue from the foundation. And the cravat? Why did you send for me? Ever since we helped my husband let go of this world and pass into the afterlife, I realized this could be my calling. Talk therapy for bicycles. (laughs) To help spirits move on. These phantom bicycles have unfinished business keeping them here. I help them finish it. It seems like it's going well. Why do you need me? There's one bike I just can't crack. No matter what I do, it won't open up, won't even say a word. It's... it's the one-wheeled wonder. (laughs) Ah, jeez. Behind me, a silver unicycle stood tall and still. It seemed to glare at me, keen and intense. Suddenly, it rolled forward on a single wheel, zipping around the room before settling near the couch. The phantom unicycle taunted us with its half-deflated horn, daring us to solve it, like its existence was a riddle. A really judgy riddle. Any ideas? My extensive training at the Foundation has prepared me for the most dangerous anomalies in the world. Don't you worry. We'll have this bike squeaking in no time.
Where were you on the night of the 23rd? What happened on the 23rd? You tell me. You got a family? Couple of tricycles at home? Be a shame if someone popped their tires. You call yourself a bike? You only got one wheel. You're not half the bike these other speeders are. Well, I, I guess you're exactly half. I'm sorry what I said about you only having one wheel and all. It's, it's actually really impressive. Why don't you just tell me about yourself, huh? How about it? Say something! Anything! What gives? I'm a failure of an agent. Who am I if I can't even do this simple thing? I think it all goes back to when I was five. The only anomaly I couldn't secure, contain, or protect was myself. Okay, then. Good try, champ. I could go again. Throw me in, coach. As weird as it was, I think you did your best. I guess we'll just never know who the mystery unicycle is. A soul trapped forever in this painful farce we call existence, shackled eternally to the mortal coil of this cruel earth. Well, when you put it like that... <sighs> eh, you can't win them all. Want some popcorn? I felt a pang of icy guilt in my chest. An ache in my heart I didn't know existed. All I wanted to do was be there for Maria. To help her and impress her. And maybe afterwards we could go out for some hot chocolate at Carlson and Carlson's delicious pastry shop. Where the Carlson's serve those delicious pastries. You know, because <clears throat> it's my job. That's what a good agent does. 4.03 a.m. I'm lost. This may be my toughest case yet. Huh? Wait a second. What is it? The way the unicycle is stamping the ground like that. It's almost like it's... <coughs> the wild man let out a whinny. He shook his jowls and stamped his leg. It can't be. Ted, what's going on? It's... It's... <coughs> Stallion McGee. It was at that moment the Dr. Ted Kith was catapulted into his past. Deep in the annals of history, in the fog of long-lost memories. He was five years old. He had fallen face-first into a small puddle, but he didn't have any upper body strength, so he was drowning. His very short life was flashing before his eyes. That's when a feral horse came charging out of a field of sunflowers. It galloped with the fury of a thousand storms. And with a swift kick of its hooves, it flung Ted out of the puddle and saved his life. As one is prone to do in these situations, the two became fast friends, inseparable. The foal became a stallion, and the boy became a man. The sunflower seed industry tanked, and the Kith family had to sell their farm and their friendly neighborhood horse to survive. They sold him to the local derby, where he raced against the fastest horses in the county and beat every single one of them. Most thought it was because of how he was built, but Ted knew. Every race, Stallion McGee was imagining that little boy, drowning in a really small puddle, needing to be saved. Until last week, when Ted and I went to visit the Derby, I bet on Stallion McGee knowing full well he would win. One for long, two for longs. 
Stallion McGee was always in the lead, and then Ted and Stallion locked eyes. Something changed, emotions swelled, and Stallion McGee ran straight out of the derby and never came back. I lost a lot of money that day. Is it really you, Stallion McGee? I've missed you so much, buddy. <laughs> you came... looking for me. You can understand horse? No, no, I, I can just... feel it. We always had a bond. What happened to you? <laughs> he escaped from the derby. He ran for miles and miles, not knowing where he was going. Lost and searching. Poor guy ran out of steam. Oh, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you, Stallion. Not then. Or now. Nay. Nay. I know, pal. I know. You lived a good long life. I only wish we could have spent more of it together. What can I do to help? How can we help him move on if he can't talk? The phantom unicycle sprung into action, speeding around the garage, knocking over lamps and bookcases. Utter destruction in its excited path. It zipped around me in circles, practically bouncing off the walls. He... He doesn't need to talk. He needs one last ride. Whoa! Easy, Stallion! Ha ha ha! That's it! Steady. Six forty-five AM. Stallion McGee and I rode for hours. Riding a phantom unicycle wasn't quite the same as riding a horse, but it still felt just like old times. By the time the sun was rising on the horizon, we said our goodbyes, and the great Stallion McGee trotted peacefully into the afterlife. Well, you looked like you were having fun. I haven't felt that young since I was... young. <laughs> well, I guess that's it then. I always appreciate your help, Ted. Always happy to help, Maria. Hey, Ted? Yeah? Would you want to maybe get some hot chocolate at Carlson's and Carlson's? How did you... I took a peek in your field notes. Couldn't help it. You want to go or what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like that. D don't look in my field notes. That concludes Dr. Ted Kiss' field notes. All we know is that when Ted returned to the Foundation, he had a skip in his step and a smile that wouldn't quit. Some things are meant to be left a mystery. We all make decisions we regret. There will always be moments in our lives we wish had gone differently. But yesterday is yesterday. What matters, what truly matters, is what we do today. You owe me a lot of money, Ted. This episode was made in collaboration with the brilliant minds behind the podcast, Death by Dying. Currently, they're raising funds for Season 2, and you can donate to their Indiegogo at deathbydyingpod.com slash donate. 
is an incredibly talented team and they make a hilarious and wonderful dark comedy show and I highly encourage you to check it out if you haven't already. Phantom Bicycle Part 2 was written by Evan Gulak. This episode featured special guest star Nico Durentis as the Wild Man. Our host and narrator is John Grills. Ted Keith was Atticus Jackson. Maria was Nicole Goodnight. Our script curator is Jesse Hall. And our music is done by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons. I'm your showrunner and sound designer, Pacific S. Obadiah. And our producers are Tom Owen and Brad Miska. For more information, visit scparchives.com. <laughs>